Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, so much more importantly, uh, educator and author, someone uh, who is the author of four wonderful books, including The Art of Emotional Resistance, an Everyday Guide to Resist and Reaction, Cultivating Compassion, and Gracefully Managing Yourself. That is a lot said in the title, and I'll tell you what, uh, just thrilled to have Molly Dahl as our very special guest. Molly, how are you? I'm great this morning. Thank you, Frank. Well, Glad listen, to be here. Yeah, well, uh, great to have you, and uh, and honestly, thrilled to talk to someone who's passionate uh, about what uh, what they do, and I, like I said, this uh, this title of this book uh, says an awful lot. Uh, if you don't mind, let's let's do a little bit of your history, and if you don't mind further, let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Oh gosh, <laughs> going way back. Yeah, uh, I was born in Elko, Nevada, and uh, then raised in Fallon, so both rural agricultural towns. Uh, out in the beauty of northern Nevada. Were, were you a big fan of school right away, or is there something that hit you about education and, and teaching folks things right away, or, or did, is that something that took a little lo- longer to you? Oh, mind? yeah, Frank, it's a, it's a good story. It took a long time. I, um, I was just a regular average CB-level student in high school, and it, I did not like school. It took me 11 years from the time I graduated high school till I took my bachelor's degree. Um, I just did not like a classroom. I find for myself and, you know, for many students currently, uh, that life can be the best teacher and we have to get out and do things in order to learn. So sitting still behind a desk didn't really work out for me. <laughs> and then I, actually, I became a school teacher by accident. I had moved back east um, after I finally graduated from university. Uh, I was just going to spend the summer with my aunt back there. And then I ended up in a private Catholic school, and that was my start as a classroom teacher. I only thought it would be a year or two to kind of, you know, okay, what do I do next? And I loved it. I loved it so much I stayed for 15 years. Is there, and by the way, I totally agree with you, it's better to get out there, and, and especially my type of learning, the way I've learned, uh, is is to get out there and kind of learn by doing and, and learn by living and so forth, student of life type thing. And, yeah. you know, look, even though I believe in formal education, I, I ended up getting a master's when all was said and done. But is there something that would have changed it for you in retrospect? Do you think that school would have been better for you if they did blank or or they did a little more of blank uh, is there something in retrospect that you could say would have changed your education oh you know that's an interesting question um looking at the work i do now and the the work that i started with as an author was my work for young adults well adolescents better said uh, youth positive, and it, uh, that came about when I was studying positive psychology, taking my certificate. And um, it, at that point in my life, it was the best thing that I had ever done for myself was to study. You know, who am I? What am I doing? And and this wasn't a brand new course of study for me. Who am I? That kind of idea, but it was from such a different perspective of looking at strengths, 
and what values I had and how my life is structured on my own values and on my own strengths. And so it was so impactful to me that that's what I actually started weaving into my lessons with the high school kids and um, really saw everything improve for them. Grades being, you know, the most important measurement, but really the least important thing that a kid comes out of high school with. And it was just this great, great experience for me with my students. And so, you know, in hindsight, maybe if I would have had youth positive as a high school student and really been able to explore, well, what do I like and what am I good at and what will, you know, what will I have as my own tools and own inner resources to create the life I want, you know, and that may, maybe that would have made a difference. Yeah, it it makes sense that it would. I I can't imagine that it wouldn't have uh, made a difference. I mean, that's uh, that's uh, you know, it's a heck of an answer. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Molly Dahl. If you're just joining us a little late, or if you're just turning on your radio a little late, uh, the author of four wonderful books, and we're getting a little bit of her history before we get into uh, some other things. Molly, you mentioned moving back east. Uh, where is back east? Um, Back in the uh, Northern Virginia area, my aunt had worked in the White House for several different administrations and was retired out in Middleburg. And I had been out twice before, once I was in seventh grade, and that was my first time to Washington, D.C., and I absolutely loved it. And then I'd gone and visited her again. And, you know, I was cultivating a really nice relationship with her. And so I just thought, you know, maybe it's maybe it's time to just take a little break and go and see what the other side of the country looks like and has to offer. And I ended up staying and I was there. The school I was at um, is no longer there during the COVID. It shut down. It made it broke my heart. It was the Notre Dame Academy out in Middleburg. And I was there for six years. And and it was a great experience. I didn't have a school teacher degree, but in private education at that time, you just needed a degree in the area that you were going to teach. So my degree was Spanish, and then I had a minor <clears throat> in English. And so I ended up teaching freshman English and then um, and then Spanish. And so that was my start, and I loved it. I loved that area. It was It was wonderful. Molly, did you did you notice a difference, uh, you know, not not only in the people, but in the in the way people approached education from uh, from west to east? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Frank. And it was a very interesting observation to me. Um, Again, my high school experience, it wasn't horrible by any means, but it wasn't you know, it wasn't a really strong education. It got me exactly what I needed. uh, But going back east and into private school it was very formal it was very rigorous it was quite different yeah and the caliber of student was just you know they were serious about their education and where they were going and they all knew and they all had a track and I think that's part of what attracted me to staying there and and really being there and and fully participating was these kids were so different than I was growing up. I mean, they knew where they were going, you know, for university and their PhD and what they were going to do with their lives. And I was, you know, I was just a rural kid doing the best I could and having a great time, just living life and the adventure of life. And where's life going to take me and what am I going to learn for life? So it was very different. 
Yeah. Was there a difference uh, or, or a, you know, a staggering difference between the top students where you grew up and uh, and the top students where uh, Virginia, uh, you know, in, in, in Virginia and the outskirts of D.C. was the, were the top students that the valedictorian, let's say, of your high school class, uh, would they have fit in in uh, in the east or is it just such a stark difference? Oh, you know, I've never, ever considered that. That's such an interesting question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We did have some pretty sharp kids where I grew up. And um, I don't even remember who the valedictorian was. <laughs> so I don't know. That might be so long ago. It doesn't even compute. Yeah. <clears throat> well, listen, it's uh, you know, it's interesting. And in the, in the contrast, I, I would think, and, and again, well, I'll let you... I'll let you answer that. Do you, think, do you think the fact that you had that cross-section of experiences, uh, you know, from the from the two, uh, you know, really the uh, you know the west to the uh, to the east, uh, that that had to have an effect on your writing and your your ability to kind of put things in perf- uh, perspective. I, I would assume, but I'll I'll ask it as a question. Did it uh, have a big impact on your on your perspective as a writer? You know, interesting question. Thank you. I, I'll have to think about it for just a second as a writer, but definitely as a teacher. And what the impact that may have been even more profound is when I moved back from Virginia to Nevada. And I came back, I was one year at the private Catholic school in Reno, and then I was seven years in public education. And I think that difference is what was very profound for me as a teacher. And it really kind of was a wake up call that, listen, Molly, you are not teaching Spanish. You are teaching students. You are teaching individual kids how to speak the Spanish language, how to communicate, how to be, you know, at least unafraid when they end up in Mexico or Costa Rica or Spain or wherever they go. Cause that was my goal for all my students, because that was, I learned Spanish living in Chile and, and Spain. And so for me, my goal as an educator was, all right, I'm going to give you enough of a background in the language and enough of an interest in some other country in the world that you are going to go and you are going to find the friends who are waiting for you in that country. And that's my goal for you. And I had a huge number of my students who traveled internationally and so I think the big impact was was being able to shift gears from teaching a language to teaching real people and that is a that's a huge difference Frank and it is that's when education gets really really fun because then you see who your kids are and what they're interested in and what they want to learn and why they want to learn it so you can fit what you're teaching to them and then it matters for them it becomes real Molly Dahl is the voice that you're hearing, Frank McKay, here with the author of four books and uh, educator and a world traveler and someone who has, uh, has seen a lot and has written about it, which is uh, which is uh, more important. Frank McKay here, so much more importantly, Molly Dahl is our very special guest. And uh, Molly, uh, it's just it, the way uh, you approach that or the way you uh, you answered the the question that you weren't teaching Spanish, you were teaching students to speak Spanish. I wonder how often a an educator 
you know, who's, again, you know, people are paying bills and some people are ill-fitted uh, there. Maybe they just do it, you know, they need a paycheck uh, and others are, need a paycheck, but are, are really passionate about doing a good job. And then others fall, you know, fall in between uh, different things. You know, maybe they're, they're doing this in order to do something else. But mm-hmm. what, what percentage of students, if you just had to take a while, not students, but teachers, if you had to take a wild guess, how many of them approach teaching the the way you just described it, uh, it understanding that it's not teaching the, the subject, it's teaching the student to understand the subject? Oh, you know, Frank, heartbreakingly, I would say there is a small percentage, but it's though it's those teachers in every school that make the difference. It's those teachers in every school that kids thrive. And so, you know, sometimes we have this big idea that, you know, every teacher has to be passionate and, uh, you know, which would be great. <laughs> Not saying that wouldn't be, you know, that would be ideal. And as you mentioned, you know, there's such a, a wide variety of why people do what they do, and especially in education. But as long as there are a handful of teachers in every school who see their students as people and who teach them how to speak Spanish, how to do math, how to, you know, communicate well with the written word, then we'll be okay in education. But as the numbers of those teachers declines you know whatever the situation is then that's when education really starts to struggle let's talk a little bit about book number one and what brought it about and and how long in the making and i know a lot of times people say well it was a lifetime in the making but in in essence like when did you say hey i'm gonna i'm gonna write this book and you know that's your your start date and and then the completion of it uh let's talk about that Uh, what urged you to write that first book Oh, thanks, Frank. That would have been my youth positive for the high school kid. And um, so that's when I was doing my positive psychology, which I started studying informally in 2011. And it was at the same time I was studying Buddhism. So one of my Buddhist teachers was a positive psychologist. And I just, everything that came out of his mouth was like elixir to me. It was, it was nothing that I, I was, I loved it. And so I would say to him, you know, teacher, can I please, you know, what do I do? I want to be you. I want to study with you. I want to, you know, everything that you have, I, I would love to have in my own life. And he said, oh, no, no. He was teaching in um, Corvallis, Oregon at the university up there. He said, no, no, don't, don't, don't move to Corvallis. No, no. And so he recommended that I find, um, given the situation in my life, a certificate program in positive psychology. He said, you're not going to be able to do a master's degree, but a certificate would be great. And so I did, and I found one with Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar, and um, I started that studies in maybe 2013, end of the year anyway, and 2014 was going full speed. And again, it's what was making a difference in my life to really thrive and flourish, and I started weaving it into my students. So the last two years of being in the high school classroom that's what I was sharing with my students. And it was really easy because in a foreign language, you can bring in any topic to talk about and just, you know, put it into Spanish. And so it was so powerful and so impactful. And then my very last year, my best year ever, all those kids were just my favorite people on the planet. I'm still in contact with many of them. And they were saying, 
honest questions that at first I thought, oh, you know, they're just trying to get off the topic or talk about something else. No, they wanted to know, you know, what is the, you know, what's the purpose of life? You know, why aren't we happy? What can we do to be happy? And again, at first I thought, you know, listen, we have a lot to study and that's a great question and you know how much I love it, but thank you. I'm not going to answer that now. Let's turn to page whatever, you know, and get going on our Spanish. And, you know, it was like mutiny. They're like, no, no one will teach us this. And so I was like, okay, let's do it. So I started weaving it in. And then I had kids say, like, Miss Dahl, let's do it like we did in first grade and just stay here all day and you can teach us all of our subjects. You know, I'm learning more about history than in my history class. I learn it here in our class together in Spanish. And I'm learning more English in my Spanish class than I'm learning in my English class. Because once you get a student interested in who they are and what they're doing and how education can serve them, then they start paying attention, amazing thing, <laughs> and they start interweaving knowledge, which is, you know, all knowledge is circumscribed into one great whole, W-H-O-L-E, and nothing is separate. But in education, we teach it like it's all separate and never touches each other, which is a, a huge lie. And so when kids start to see, oh my gosh, you know, I'm studying Spanish and, oh, there's history in Spain. And, oh, I actually did hear about this in my world history class. But I'm learning about these very same people in my Spanish class. So they start to make these connections. So anyway, back to youth positive. I, um, I had two years of lesson plans of weaving positive psychology in. And it was all of the research and practices that I was learning from the academic field of positive psychology. And so I would give them the research and this is what the findings are. And these are the scientists, you know, this is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi who, who coined the term flow. And this is Martin Seligman and this is Dr. Barbara, Barbara um, Fredrickson and your positive emotions. And so it was research based with practical stuff that they could do with it. And then finally, some of my students say, started saying, Miss Dahl, where's the book? We don't get this anywhere. We want to be able to take it home. So we need a book on this. And so I said, okay, I'll write the book, but I won't be able to teach as well. So my grandma doll always used to say, leave while you're having fun. So amigos, I'm having more fun than I've ever had in my education life. And you're the best class as I've ever taught. And this is the best year ever in 15 of these years. So adios, I'm leaving you. I'm going to go write you the book. Wow. And I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I almost said, I, or I almost thought, I, I wish I had a, a, a teacher like Molly Dahl growing up, but I, but I realized I can just get the book and just read, yeah. read the book. I don't, have to, I don't have to wonder what would have happened. But I, what, what a wonderful I, what a wonderful approach. I, I mean, very fortunate to have the wonderful students there, but what, what, how fortunate they are to, to come across a teacher that would teach them about positivity, about, uh, about finding something they love and, and things that they love. I, I mean, just wonderful. Molly Dahl, the author of four books, is our very special guest, Frank McKay, here. So much more importantly, Molly Dahl, educator and, and author, and just uh, wow! I, I mean, I, I wasn't even knowing what to expect uh, when I uh, when I called you, Molly. But boy, I, what a what what an approach! I, and so that's what started you on the way to to being an author. You were you were drafted almost, right? You were you were. <laughs> 
you were dragged into it, and uh, you know, willfully, right? I mean, you, it was a, it was a labor. Uh, it sounds like it was a labor of love, but uh, wow! Can, can I ask yeah. you this? What was the the difference between your anticipation of what the experience of writing that first book would be and the the reality of it? Oh, you know, Frank, it's so interesting. My um, writing process. I don't know. I think a lot of writers go into retreat to write their book. Um, and so that's what I did. I was fortunate enough at that time that my um, <clears throat> my life opened up this beautiful little retreat cabin and I went for 10 days and I wrote the book. And here's the here's the thing that's critical to remember on that. I had two years worth of my own research. So I had all my lessons all prepared. I had taught them. I had thought about them and lived them and lived them with my students for two years. So when I went into that retreat for 10 days, um, you know, I just kind of tune into my meditation practice very deeply and then sit and write. And 10 days later, there's a book. Yeah. What, was it difficult for you to to learn how to meditate? Um, to, you know, no, for me, it wasn't because my whole life has been you know, contemplative. I, as a school teacher, I was very active, you know, and my last year I had 208 kids and I saw every single one of them every day. And so it was very active, but I really like to be quiet. I, I love a quiet life. And so for me, when I actually started learning meditation, it was such a gift, like, oh, here's the quiet time I've always really wanted. And so for me and the I don't know. I think kind of the experiences of our life set up the the future experiences. And so my whole life had kind of set me up for that. Um, and it's, man, it's still like my go-to and my daily, my daily dose of quiet time. Yeah. I mean, for um, me, for me, it's very, you know, it's very difficult to meditate. Yeah. And it, it's because I'm the, I, I think I'm the opposite in that sense. Like you, you like quiet time and, and you enjoy, uh, you know, some quiet. I, I'm constantly around noise. So I, I have, <laughs> it's a challenge for me to, to get to that point. But I realize the importance as I'm getting older, uh, you know, and what I've been missing out by, uh, by not uh, understanding and, and practice, uh, you know, meditation and it's uh you know it's certainly uh, it's certainly something I, that i i need to pay more attention to molly Dahl, everyone is uh, our author and and guest and the author of four wonderful books and one's more like a textbook you were saying right uh, yeah the the youth that? positive yeah it's um so it was written for kids in a classroom probably 11th and 12th grade level is best. And it's, you know, it's got, it's got five sections. The youth is an acronym and why is you. So you start off really exploring who you are, what your habits are, what your likes are, what your strengths are, what you're good at. Then it goes to your outlook. So how you see the world, how you see yourself in the world, how you see um, yourself contributing or not. And then you is understanding and understanding how you as a being, how your attitude and your mood and the behaviors that you have and the emotions that you have, how understanding that that's the world you create. And so the hope is that when you go through those first three sections, Y-O-U, you're standing on a pretty solid foundation of you as yourself, being a contributing factor to every relationship you will ever have. And then that comes next. So the T is together for your relationships. 
we want a healthy self <laughs> before we move into, you know, relationships. And for high school kids, when you say, let's talk about relationships, oh my gosh, it's a total blast. They're like, no. And then they understand, oh. And then the age is happier. You know, it's, it's the choices you make, the thriving and the flourishing that are available to you as you live your unique genius. And that's kind of the tagline, live your unique genius. How much different are you now, presently, than what you thought you would be as a child? Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't think that's such a great question. Well, you know, the way I grew up, um, I thought I would grow up and be a mom and be at home raising kids. I don't have any kids. So <laughs> well, you, you do. You have a whole classroom and you have years that are kids. You just don't yes. have any kids at home is what, what it is. That's right. That's a good way to look at that. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. I have kids all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, you thought you thought you would take a much different track. You've got to be very proud of what you've done here. I mean, this is, uh, mm. you know, this is uh, the self-actualization that Maslow talked about, you know, I imagine. Right. I mean, this is yeah. this is where you are. And. And that's the highest point of his pyramid, right? I mean, you can't get, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, you can't get higher uh, than uh, than that, uh, at least on, from that scale. But I mean, this is uh, what a wonderfully spent life and and uh, and career. What a what a way to uh, approach life. It's just absolutely fantastic. Molly Dahl, once again, is our very special guest, Frank McKay here. And, and Molly, before I continue, is there a website, a social media site where people should follow along with what you're doing and where the best place to get the books and so forth? Yeah, I have. Um, thank you for asking that. And thank you also. The phrase that you use, you should be so proud of yourself. That's one of the phrases that um, really helps a student develop the confidence as a learner and that they're going to be okay in life. And so that's, I thank you so much for hearing, for using that. It's one of the things that really is so powerful for for people. And yes, I am. I love what I'm doing. (laughs) And so my website, I have two, one is youthpositive.net. And that's for all my work for the students and education and teachers and that kind of thing. And then when I, I wrote the latest book, The Art of Emotional Resilience, that one I'm, is for adults. So I'm, I do have a website for that, and that is mollydoll.us. You know, what a great title. As I was just jotting it down right before we, I, we started our conversation, I thought, what, uh, you, talk, you talk about saying a lot in a title. And when you get oh. down to the, it, it's just, it's wonderful. You know, and, and I'm not comparing it, but I think it was back in the 70s. I'm, I'm, I'm 54, right? So I, I remember back in the 70s, I was a kid, there was a, a book that came out and it said, it's not what you're eating, it's what's eating you. And, and I thought that like one phrase just kind of said it all in the book. You almost like didn't have to read, you know, you, I, I guess the older, you know, older uh, folks, you know, people in their twenties that were concentrating on not me as a nine year old might run out and get the book and, and, and read it. But I always remembered the title, but the art of emotional resilience, I, I mean that alone. And then, the, then the, the, the tagline too, I, the, a lot goes into that. Uh, and I, I don't know if you, you realize it, but, um, there's a lot in that, just on that cover, that uh, that you can get from that whole statement. Th- think about what you did. Was it a 
did it just flow out of you, or was it something that you worked on and you and, and you you know kind of threw away this one and this this is what one? How how did this this title come about? Oh, that's a, that's such a good question. The art of emotional resilience that was just kind of there. Um, I didn't really even have to think about that one. That was another one of those download things that came. The original subtitle was how to manage yourself, how to gracefully manage yourself when things don't go your way. <laughs> because really, if we think about it, you know, when are the moments that we need emotional resilience? When things aren't going our way. <laughs> and and so with my <clears throat> with my editor, she said, you know, when we finally got this, mostly done. And this book was a completely different process. Uh, I had a, a new editor and it took us quite a while and it was a lot of fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. She, um, when we got done, she said this, the subtitle, it's not enough, Molly. There is so much more in this book and the subtitle doesn't even touch it. And so we played with this subtitle for many, many days. Um, and we kind of pulled the the big things that people are going to be able to um, learn and well and here's the thing so much of what we already know so it's not learning it's just remembering so that we'll help people remember they'll be able to apply the practices and and so that's how that ended up and I know it's a mouthful right yeah. like, oh my gosh <laughs> yeah, but, but it's it's heavy I mean and it's 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 heavy in a great way not heavy in like oh my god I can't you know. but I'm gonna read it again for, for folks that uh, just kind of breeze through it uh, Molly Dahl <laughs> is the author of four books including the art of emotional resistance. I mean, if you just stopped right there, it just oh, what, resilience. Oh, was oh, I'm sorry, Re resilience. <laughs> oh, what that boy? That's a big, <laughs> that's a big change. I just misspoke. I I got it written right. The art of emotional resilience, an everyday guide to resisting reaction, cultivating compassion, and gracefully managing yourself. Wow, <laughs> I, I mean, wow, right? I mean, yeah, this is, that's a home run. That's a home run. I mean, just on that. But just I and and again, we're we're just about out of time here. Uh, but you know, gracefully managing yourself when mm. you. I mean, boy, we could we could talk for an hour on we could talk for hours on gracefully managing yourself. But uh, let me let me just congratulate you on all your success. Uh, four books and and counting. Um, in in closing. Uh, what's the rest of your year, year look like uh, for you? I mean, are you working on a book currently? Are you working on something else? Is there something you could share with us as we uh, as as we leave? Oh yeah, the rest of my year. This one has gone so fast. I don't have another book in the works, but I am working. It's interesting. My work has moved a little bit out of education and more into nonprofits and being able to support. You know, kind of just in air quotes, I don't even know if this phrase is true anymore, but the average Joe. Yeah. No, that's right? supporting supporting people who, you know, they're working their tail off, trying to make ends meet and thinking, gosh, I should be a little happier than this. <laughs> and so, you know, just kind of supporting people where they are. Part of the book says, you, you, you know, you start where you are. And that's that's the only place you can start. And so let's look at that and move from there. Molly Dahl, once again, your your website. <clears throat> My the current one with where you'll find the adult stuff is mollydahl.us. And then the the work with adolescents and young people is youthpositive.net. Oh, and again. you can connect from one to the other so they can link. Listen, once again, congratulations on on 
the, everything that you've done and, and certainly your latest and, and all of this. Uh, Frank McKay uh, signing off. Molly Dahl, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. I'm having a blast, Frank. Thank yeah. you so much. Just a wonderful, a wonderful author and uh, educator and and speaker and, uh, you know, promoting uh, some uh, not-for-profits, which is uh, wonderful. But, boy, you, you talk about an enlightened person, and you can tell right away Molly Dahl has been our very special guest. The Art of Emotional Resilience, an Everyday Guide to Resist and Reaction cultivating compassion and gracefully managing yourself and uh, it's it's one of uh, her four books and i can't wait to talk to her again frank mckay signing off molly Dahl has been our very special guest we'll see you all next time on breaking it down <laughs>